0: Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take Tech in the Right Direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. This week, I will be speaking with Lonnie Phillips. Lani brings over 20 years of experience in inclusive leadership and managing transformation in the technology industry and a recognized leader within Microsoft. She is a sought-after speaker and collaborates with leaders around the world to drive business and cultural transformation at scale. Lani currently serves as Vice President of Channel Sales at Microsoft Corporation in the U.S. One Commercial Partner Organization. Her team supports our customers' digital transformation efforts by accelerating co-selling partnerships with the Microsoft Partner Ecosystem, representing $30 billion in business. Previously, Lani has held numerous senior leadership roles across Microsoft, including Chief Transformation Officer for Microsoft's Enterprise Partner Group, where she led the largest global sales transformation in Microsoft's history. Lonnie received a Master of Business Administration degree with distinguished honors from the University of Texas at Dallas with a concentration on global leadership and holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in information systems. Lonnie has a passion for inspiring, educating and growing leaders. She is currently writing her first leadership book and looks forward to adding author to her bio in 2021. Welcome to the show, Lonnie. I'm so happy to have you on our show. Thank you so much
1: for inviting me, Jennifer. I'm really looking forward to the conversation we're going to have today.
0: Great. So let's get started. Um, so Lonnie, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today?
1: I would love to take you on that career journey. You know, I've learned, though, over the years that it's really hard to kind of walk you through the various roles I've had. But if you'll permit me, I'll just kind of share with you throughout my career journey kind of some of the strategies I've used. How does that sound?
0: That sounds great.
1: Awesome. So some of the things that I really had to apply to navigate what is now about 25 years in tech. I would say I really had to be intentional around my career moves and what new experiences I wanted. And it really was important for me to do some career planning. And I've always had great mentors and coaches in my life that talked to me about the importance of that. So I've always tried to make sure that I had an active career plan. The other thing I would say that I've learned over the years is you have to be consistent and you have to be able to deliver results. Um, We all find ourselves in situations where we take on new assignments, we're learning a lot in that first year, but you really have to keep going until you're able to master the job and really be able to demonstrate that you're going to be able to deliver and get results. And I have found that that is really what has opened the door to more opportunities for me. I've also had to practice being a little bit more mobile as well and making sure that I was flexible on my travel requirements. Because what i found is if I stayed in one location too long, you're just going to have to be patient because people get in these senior leadership jobs and they stay forever. So I never really had the patience to kind of wait around. So (laughs) I always wanted to make sure that I increased my opportunities by making sure I remained flexible. And I guess the last thing I would leave you with and go wherever you want to go is I really think as I've grown in leadership and I think about as I continue to navigate what are the new opportunities I want to experience, for me, it's no longer about working hard. I want to make sure that the work I'm doing is very meaningful. I want to make sure that I'm being a solution to a problem inside the organization And I also want to make sure that I'm impacting the lives around me. So those are some of the things that I've applied to navigating my career.
0: What great lessons. I mean, I I think, you know, consistency, delivering results, becoming a master at what you do, being mobile, flexible. Um, And I love that working hard is a piece of the puzzle, but not the only piece it's working with meaningful results and to make a difference. That really gives you fulfillment at the end of the day, which I love. Um, so, you know, I know you're very passionate about increasing diversity and inclusion in the channel eco- ecosystem. Um, can you tell us the difference between diversity and inclusion from your perspective?
1: The difference between diversity and inclusion from my perspective is that when I think of diversity, I think that's just simply a fact. Um, We're either a part of a diverse group or not, whether that's race, whether that's gender, whether that's some form of a neurodiversity issue that we are all faced with uh, in some kind of way. That would be, for some of you may not know what neurodiversity is, it's people that have those neurological issues, uh, people who may be on the autism spectrum, Mm -hmm. people who have learning challenges. Um, We also have people that have just are either, they blind, um, they may not, they may have speech impairment, um, they may have CP, those are all facts, right? Those are all facts. And when I think of inclusion, I think that's a choice that we all make. And when I think about inclusion, I think about creating a culture where we embrace the differences of all the people in the organization. But I usually add one more to it. What I add to it, and I harness the strength of that diversity to be able to help us reach our collective goals. But at the end of the day, it's around creating a culture where everyone feels a sense of belonging and they feel like they are valued and that their voice matters. That's what it means to me.
0: That's great. Um, Inclusion is definitely a culture and something that you have to work at on a daily basis to make sure you're harnessing that strength of diversity and inclusiveness, because, um, you know, we all have unconscious biases and we need to be aware of them. We need to overcome them. There's a lot we need to do to make inclusive, inclusive relationships. Um, So, Why is inclusion so important?
1: Inclusion is so important because you'll never be able to sustain your diversity efforts without it. You'll do an amazing job recruiting the talent, but you will have a difficult time being able to retain the talent because they will struggle to feel a sense of belonging, and to feel like they're valued. And they will find another place where they can either make more money, feel a sense of belonging. Um, You never know what it might be, but they'll leave the company, and you'll find that you're constantly in a recruiting mindset, and you'll never be dealing with the root of the issue. I also think inclusion is important, Jennifer, because it's the right thing to do. And I am a firm believer that those leaders, and I now refer to them as more modern leaders, where they really have that mindset of how to create these inclusive cultures and are intentional about it. You actually create an environment where people feel like they can show up as their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. and you'll notice that the coverings will start to fall which the coverings are simply those parts of ourselves that we don't want anyone to know because we feel like we might be judged for it but mm-hmm. if you release the coverings from people allow them to show up as their authentic selves i'm a firm believer and i have seen it in practice where they will it will unleash unbelievable creativity you will see unbelievable loyalty and determination to reach your goals. And I'm also a firm believer that it will accelerate your growth as a company. So aside from all the other things I mentioned, I feel like if you were to really genuinely commit yourself to it, it really could change the outcome for your company in terms of results.
0: That's great. Um, And I love that you said it is in fact the right thing to do. So, how have you in your career uh, practiced some of these inclusive actions? What, what advice can you give others that are looking to um, create that culture within their organization, within their teams?
1: You know, the first thing I would say is I feel like I'm on a journey. It's not anything that I feel like I have mastered by any means. And I think any leader that is self-proclaimed an inclusive leader, they have to understand that they don't get the choice to name themselves that. We have to let other people tell us we're that way. So I am a firm believer we talk to our people and find out what it is that they need. But some of the things that I try to practice consistently is one, I try to show up as my authentic self and demonstrate a level of vulnerability so that They don't see me as this person on a pedestal that's so perfect. I try to show up, strengths, flaws and all, (laughs) to every conversation so that they recognize that I'm literally just like them. We just all have different areas of strength. I also try to make sure in all conversations, one of the things I used to do is rush to conclusion or decision before hearing everybody speak. And the reason I did that is because we're all in a rush to get things done. So one of the practices that has yielded me a huge return is creating the space, being comfortable with the silence, and allowing people to gather their thoughts and share their ideas to have a point of view about whatever direction we're going. And then allowing people time, sometimes to sleep on it, because those that are not comfortable speaking up in sessions like that, they may want to just send you some feedback in writing or need processing time. So it's really good to just create that space where every voice can be heard. And I stopped calling people on the spot because I realized that adults also deal with a fair amount of anxiety. And I had an adult, well, I only work with adults, but I have a number of employees that have come to me and have shared that anxiety is an issue for them. And I asked them, what could I do to make it easier for them? and they asked me to socialize the content in advance. So that was a huge learning for me. And that's a great example of talking to your people and let them kind of guide you in terms of what inclusion looks like. I've also learned that whenever you're managing global teams to not always do things that are convenient for you in terms of timing to have the meetings, to also be sensitive to the schedules that they have to keep to be able to be a part of such a global team to alternate Um, the times that you set up meetings, as well as socializing content with them uh, in advance as well, because many of them, English might be their second or third language. So allow them time to transcribe the information you've sent over so they can process it. So those are just a couple of things that I try to do intentionally, but I do let the employees guide me a bit.
0: Those are great, great actions and advice because... um... Just taking the time and making people feel comfortable is so critical to to that inclusive feeling. Um, and I think when you said, you know, it really um, got me when you said that, you know, people were able to come to you and share that, you know, they had anxiety um, that, that you've made them feel comfortable enough to be able to share that. And they were bringing their authentic self to you, which really says a lot about your leadership. So I love, love, love those actions. That's great. Um, so I'm sure, you know, as a woman in technology, we've all experienced challenges. Um, tell us maybe some of the challenges that you've experienced. And then, you know, what lessons did you learn? How did you overcome them? You know,
1: the key lessons that I've had to learn, you got to keep in mind as an African-American woman in tech, I was a rare breed mm-hmm. and I did not see a lot of myself in uh, the companies that I've worked for. And let's just go ahead and face the fact I've been with Microsoft the last 23 years of my career. I worked for a few companies before that, but it wasn't a norm to see a lot of people that look like me. But throughout my career, I would say that the biggest thing that I've had to overcome is really having to prove my worth and my value um, constantly. It makes you wonder if there's already a unconscious bias there when you walk into a room, but I always felt like I was in a position where I always had to perform and it probably added to why I had a level of intensity around making sure I could check all the boxes. I also found myself that there were times that I just felt like I missed out on opportunities because no one told me about because I wasn't top of mind. And that was the other area where career planning really helped me because I actually was intentional around having those proactive conversations so that I did stay top of mind for people. And I would also say that The other area I've struggled in is I don't drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. And in most social settings, it involves alcohol. And I have no issue being around alcohol. It's not because I've got a substance abuse problem. And and if you did, that's okay as well. But for me, it was just simply I didn't care for the taste. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I got in social situations, I would always gravitate towards a Um, soda I don't know if you call it soda or pop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Different people Mm -hmm. call it different things. Um, Or I would gravitate towards tea or water, sparkling water. And it's funny, in the early days when I was younger, they would tease me. And so I would hold a glass of wine, but I always felt so uncomfortable because I felt like I was wasting it, Mm -hmm. that I just wouldn't go to those um, social settings unless I had to. like It was a formal event that I was required to go to. And I feel like I missed out on a lot in the early days because, as we know, a lot of decisions are made outside the office. Sometimes it happens at the bar or over dinner, and I didn't gravitate towards those extracurricular activities. And many times it, wasn't, it was because I wasn't invited anyway, or sometimes when I was invited, I would make some but not others and if i had to do it all over again i still wouldn't go to all of them but i would have strategically picked a number of them to just go and not feel a need to have to fit in in terms of hold a glass of wine or whatever cocktail of choice someone has but to just be present and enjoy the conversations and enjoy getting to know people i think for so long because i was such a rare breed that I was just trying to identify find something I could identify with and model the way, and I just ended up having to accept I'm gonna have to make this up as I go <laughs>
0: that's that's amazing and those are real real challenges um that you described you know um, like alcohol is a social norm mm. and You you should not feel, you know, any less if you're not having a glass of wine or or not drinking um, an alcoholic beverage. But but we do, you know, because we're trying to fit in and we're trying to uh, make an impression. But bringing your authentic self, like you said, is so important Uh, and that's not where you need to prove your value or your worth, you know, it's in your work that you can prove it to make everything else. Okay. So Mm -hmm. those are really, really good, um, points. And I think we've all experienced them in some way, you know, in our careers. So great, Mm -hmm. great call outs. So if an organization is interested in creating a VNI culture, Lani, uh, where should they begin? Um, what are some of the first steps? Because, you know, I know as a small business, uh, we want to do that, build it into our culture. But it's, it's tough because you just don't know where to begin. And, and then many people don't do anything because they don't know where to begin. So is there kind of a initial roadmap uh, in your mind that says, you know, take these couple actions to get started?
1: Well, I'll first tell you that um, I tell everybody this. Uh, I'm about to find a way to get, um, become a DNI practitioner. Um, I am just someone who's had a tremendous amount of passion for diversity and inclusion because I was a part of that diverse population, much like you, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think about the coaching that I'm providing people now, and I have kind of come up with a few categories, but I definitely want to encourage people. Uh, to consider some books on the market, and Mm -hmm. I'm happy to share some of those. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that the first thing you have to do is you have to assess your current position. Um, And what that means is, you know, understand what your current brand is inside and outside the company as it relates to diversity and how you're perceived by others. Um, You gotta look at your recruiting efforts. How are people assimilating into your company? Get some real feedback from them. Um, Depending on the size of the organization, how do you think about high potentials? Um, What are some of their perceptions about how you invest in their development? Do you have any biases when you think about those um, high potentials and and the breadth of people that you bring to that? Yeah, look at your benefits and things like that. Is it accessible for everyone? Are there needs that people want to have met that can't be met um, for whatever reason? Same-sex benefits are a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just think you got to assess your current position across all areas of diversity. Um, and you can do that through the form of an assessment that you can hire someone to come in and do, or you can just kind of have a team of people around your consultants that can go around and just do a plethora of assessments to just kind of assess, establish what your starting point is, right? Then the next step is to really take action and Part of what taking action is, is you defining what is the plan, what is it we want to course correct, and then begin to actually start taking those steps. For some, they have to look at how they're managing the talent inside the organization. Some people really have to look at recruiting. Um, Do they have a diverse group of candidates that are coming in? What is that onboarding experience like? Then you have to kind of look at the people leading in your organization and you kind of have to say, how equipped are they to really be able to support what we're doing from a DNI perspective? And so you have to look at the bias and unconscious bias training, something to just really help people understand that we all have it and to be able to notice it and how to manage it, right? Because we're all going to have it in some kind of way, but the key is learning how to manage it. And then you kind of have to really decide, I always tell people before you can drive any change. Before you take action, you also assess your why. Why are you doing this? Because there are going to be people who are not going to agree with it. So you've got to be anchored in your why and convicted about your why so you can really lead with your why, so that you can bring others along the journey with you. The next I would say is once you start taking action, you have to start managing the change. And managing that change is, change management, as you know, involves a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also want to make sure that you identify what the new norms will be in your workplace. Um, You have to be willing to do the necessary training where training is required. You need to be willing to celebrate where it's happening well, but you also need to be intentional around addressing the areas where people are not demonstrating the behaviors that are in alignment with what you want your culture to be. And then I would say you would move on to measuring impact and realizing the benefit. So go ahead and decide what are the key measures that you want to evaluate on a quarterly or annual basis. Hold yourself accountable. A lot of people are now publishing DNI reports to provide more transparency around their efforts in this area. I do recommend that people go out on the internet and just search. I mean, Microsoft's a great example. We have a pretty extensive DNI report that Lindsay Ray and Satya puts out. Lindsey Ray McIntyre is our chief diversity officer, and it really talks through an extensive list of all the things we're doing around diversity and inclusion. But that's what I would say just in my experience. Uh, those are the key buckets that you would look at, and there's, of course, a ton of things under each. But I have a few books I can recommend if you want me to do that.
0: Absolutely, yes.
1: So there's one called Inclusive Leadership, The Definitive Guide to Developing and Executing an Impactful Diversity and Inclusion Strategy. This is by Charlotte Sweeney and Floor Botwick. I think this is a pretty good book. You don't have to read it cover to cover. You can choose the section that want to go to. I think it will line perfectly to some of the things I've already shared and it's broken simply into four parts. I think it will be easy for someone to pick it up and and grab some ideas from it. There's also one around inclusive leadership from awareness to action by Dr. Ernest Gunling and Dr. Cheryl Williams. And there were a couple of things in here that I've learned over the years that are really helpful. They kind of come at it from you know a theoretical standpoint while also trying to apply some practical tips as well. So I think you can enjoy that one. And here's a fun one that I came across and I'll make this the last one. It's called Thrive. The Facilitator's Guide to Radically Inclusive Meetings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's by Dr. Mark Smutney. Uh, a fun book has some theory, but giving you some practical ways for you to create inclusive meetings. And I think everyone could benefit from that.
0: That's great. Um, thank you so much for those um, recommendations. And we will also put it into the show notes so people will have um, the the recommendations in there. So I love the the why of D&I. So I think that's the first place to start for most people is why are you doing this? Because really, you, you shouldn't start the journey if you're not all in. And you have to feel it from your heart that it is the right thing to do. Um, this is very important to me and my organization and then go all the way. And like you said, you start with assessment and then just go through with implementation, change management, those types of things. But I I love the why because it is so critical to really search your inner self to make sure that you're passionate about it. This is something that you really believe in.
1: Mm. I
0: really like that.
1: Mm, You know, it's so interesting. I am mentoring right now um, a guy who's in the partner ecosystem, white male, um, CEO of his company, and he wanted to do some mentoring around DI because he recognized that his network wasn't diverse at all. He has a beautiful story and he loves to talk about our relationship. And the first question I asked him is, why is this important to you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he paused. And he looked at me and he said, I need some time to process that. And I said, I want you to take the time to process it. I said, because if you can't convince yourself Mm
0: -hmm. that it's
1: important, how are you going to convince anyone else? (laughs) (laughs)
0: So
1: true, so true. (laughs) So he he shared that story recently around the why, and I agree with you. Um, while people are doing their assessment to see where they are, get clear on your why, because before you go and share that with anyone else in the organization, you've got to be convicted about it first. I love that. Yes.
0: So Lonnie, in closing, um, you know, we have uh, many uh, women listeners that are maybe considering a, a tech career, maybe not, maybe have never thought about it. What advice would you give to a woman that, you know, is, is saying, well, is this for me? Is this something I want to do? How do they think about it? How do they get started?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is we need more women in tech. Don't be intimidated by the fact that it says technology and you feel like that you don't have, you know, deep technical skills. Because there's a lot of people in the technology industry that are not systems engineers, they're not coders, they're not people out here deeply um, working with the technology day in and day out, but they are out here really helping people understand how to brand it, market it, Um, got a lot of women in leadership that have an understanding of technology, but have never been deep technically. I just so happen to have been on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I did not really find my sweet spot until I was able to really lead from my core, which are the things that I genuinely cared about, which was helping to make others successful. But I would say that for any woman considering it to take the jump, it's one of those things where I say to be willing to risk it all, and learn everything you can and give it a shot. I think the time is now. This is a, a this is an industry that is hungry for more women to come in and help shape the future. I also know that as you look at the stats for how the workplace is going to change over the next several years, I don't know if you've heard this, Jennifer, but did you know that the millennials and Gen Z generations will be the most diverse in history. And what I mean,
0: you did not know
1: that? So only 56% of the 87 million millennials in the country are white. Hmm. Now, as compared to, it was 72% of the 76 million members of the baby boomer generation. So you're only going to have 56% of the millennial population that even claims white as a race.
0: Can you believe that? That's amazing. That is amazing. I love that stat. And that's going to just breed diversity, right?
2: It's going to breed diversity, which
1: means that you're going to need more diversity. And I can tell you right now, the one piece of feedback I always get is whenever I, you know, I tend to get this feedback, no matter what the race is, but especially when I'm managing females or anybody, a part of a diverse population, they always say, I've never had a minority leader. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God. I so Mm -hmm. love it. I think Mm -hmm. what happens is we can be an attractor of talent. Women can be an attractor of talent. They're also great at nurturing talent. So I just think the time is now for any woman thinking about it. I think they should take advantage of great companies like yours to get training. You're doing some wonderful things around giving back to the women population around their education so they feel equipped to be able to work in tech. And I just would encourage anyone, bet on you. Go for it. And if you decide when you get here it's not for you, then make a different decision but don't let it be because you didn't try.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. And it is a great time to be in tech. Um, And it's not always, you don't have to have a deep tech background because there's so many roles, right? It's not just a coding role. Now there's so many roles that you can be a part of tech and still be very successful and uh we need more women. We absolutely need more more women and I you know doing my little part to educate, certify, bring more women into technology. And we can learn at any age. So, you know, continuous learning is so important. So I love that. Great advice. Well, Lani, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be Uh, interviewing you. And I truly, truly appreciate that you're uh, took the time to be on the podcast. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me into your space to have this conversation. I also want to thank you for what you're doing as a woman CEO of your company. I think you're setting a wonderful example for other women that will follow And thank you for the investment you're making in other women so that they can also learn. Uh, Because I don't think we share enough. And this is a wonderful vehicle to do that. And it is my absolute pleasure and honor to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. See you next week.
2: As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end user training for the most popular solutions today including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit Directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction.